It is the Chicagoverse podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists in industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black, welcome to Chicago. Dynasty Podcast, Haima Black, I am on the line with Alicia Gaines and Nadia Garofalo from Ganser. How are both of you doing? Oh, you know, we're hanging up there as best as we can. We, uh, Nadia just, just informed me that someone stole our tour van's license plate. So, yeah. you know, That's 2020 in a nutshell. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not a huge, like, it's replaceable, but still it's, like, annoying to be like, oh, God, heck. I thought you were <laughs> going to say that somebody stole the tour van, and I was going to be like, A, that sucks, and no. B, like, I feel like that's another level of, like, welcome to being in a band. Now you're officially in a band is, like, unfortunately – when the band gets their van and all the gear stolen at some like hotel in the middle of the night, it's always just like, yep, now you're in a band and it sucks. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. we uh, always bring gear indoors with us on the road just for that very yeah. specific reason that it seems that whenever a band passes, especially through Chicago, um, they get robbed. <laughs> the band's gone or the gear is gone. So, yeah. Obviously, I want to talk about everything happening with Ganser in the present. But first, I would love to ask about something from last year. Uh, you know, in 2019, the band performed as part of Riot Fest, which, you know, at least my read on it is like I always feel like Riot Fest is a very cool event for a Chicago artist to get to be a part of. What was, you know, the performance at Riot Fest like for Ganser? Um, it was a huge whirlwind for us. It was something that we aggressively pursued because it just seemed like a really um, include very Chicago specific kind of festival. I think it, you know, it, it definitely feels a little bit more down home than let's say Lollapalooza at this point, but it was absolutely uh, great. I mean, it was insane that the band that played on our stage the night beforehand, the stage that we opened was Wu-Tang Clan. And then after us on the same stage was, I think uh, B-52s and Nick Lowe. I forget which order, but so it was, It was. you know, it was crazy to have our, our first big festival be last year because I think we were uh, preparing for some more this year, but it just, you know, now we're here. Yeah, and <laughs> obviously this year it has been not what anyone expected and, and artists are certainly uh, feeling that as much as anybody. You know, I've, I've talked to a lot of venue owners and I've talked to some musicians on the podcast in the last couple of weeks and it's, it's not a contest of like whose life sucks more, but it is something where like artists and venues and just the music space in general has been hit especially hard. How are you guys feeling about that? Yeah, it's been very bad for the industry across the board. I think everyone, especially on the on the independent level, is feeling it and it's really unfortunate. And the way that the industry has been operating sort of was barely supporting the indie scene and now it's like especially difficult so i think it's just a matter of trying to like find new ways of supporting people and i mean for us it's been very difficult but it but it's been you know like having to release an album during this time well yeah Yeah, there's definitely been yeah Mm -hmm. sorry no sorry go ahead i didn't mean to interrupt no, it's okay. I mean, there's just definitely been some things that have aligned and not aligned this year. Um, you know, I think the main takeaway from 2020 in general is forget your plans. I think we wouldn't have done as well as we've done, specifically if it wasn't for Bandcamp. I mean, I think there 
very quick action of bringing forth Bandcamp Fridays once a month is something that is single-handedly doing a lot of work to help sustain artists during this time, especially people who had albums in the can that were going to come out from spring, probably through the rest of this year and early into next year. But that's kind of what we've been seeing on our end. It's been interesting being in the album cycle during all this, you know, the lack of a release show that kind of thing. But, you know, it could be worse. I mean, that is true, but it's certainly, I would imagine, very challenging. And and let's talk about the record, because uh, we have not mentioned this formally. Just look at That Sky. It's the second Ganser record. It's a sophomore record. It came out at the end of July. And, and before we ask about it, I just want to say, like, I love the record. Congratulations on it. And I'm not just saying that, like, it is just a tough, mean, loud, like, it feels really good to blast this record in this moment we're in. So I have to say how much I love it. Oh, thank you. So this being the second record, you know, this is coming off of, you know, about half a decade of like a steady stream of singles, EPs, performances, you know, the first record. So how did everything that Ganser has been through leading up to this point inform and influence this record? Starting out, we, uh, and we probably said this, I mean, because you were our very first interview. Nadia and I started the project. Nadia asked me, rather, whether I'd like to start a project after we had graduated from art school. And it was really just kind of a refuge for us to pursue our creative whims outside of our creative jobs, which, you know, in reality are not so creative because you're working on stuff for other people. So I think we always saw it as something that would be music, but it would also be something that I could incorporate design skills. It would be something that Nadia could bring her film expertise to that then became a shared passion. So I think that's something that has really grown over the years with this project is we've kind of dipped our toes into music and then dipped our toes into video making, dipped our toes into touring the United States and Canada. It's just been a slow expansion of kind of uh, indulging ourselves. <laughs> It's been a growth. I w- it's just been over time the evolution of the project, especially like the addition of new members and things like that. Just you know, thinking back to like when we had first spoken, the band has changed so much since then. I feel well with this record. When was this written and recorded? You know, I ask because like listening to it, it feels like there is like so much tension and anxiety that is present in the record, or at least in in my listening to it. Maybe I'm just projecting. Um, but it feels to me like this was written for this moment that we're in, in 2020. I, I guess for both of you, what was it like writing this record, and presumably before the virus, I, I would imagine? And like, does it feel weird to have this record that I think at least matches the mood for this year? I think for us, that's a question I think we've, we've gotten a lot. Is like, were you guys psychic? How did you know it was going to be this way? Um, I think that all the themes in the record are just underlying themes of kind of being a creative person in this climate in general. And it's been, I feel like there are so many things that have been bubbling under the surface for so long. This moment in time is such a culmination and sort of this, everything is just sort of being pushed over the edge in these very big ways and also in very small ways. I think, you know, individually people are experiencing a lot of different things in this moment. The country's experiencing a lot of different things in this moment. And I think that none of this stuff is new, you know, like none of these feelings are new. They're just being exacerbated by what's going on, by a virus, by 
civil unrest. You know, it's just, I think we, when we were writing it like a year ago, I don't think we knew that anything was going to get worse or was going to become what it is right now. But I do think that we were still feeling that same tension and the tension is there. And, and I think it just, it continues to be there. It's just maybe a little bit more at the surface now than it was before. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, thinking back on it, cause really like the first pen to paper on this, to my memory was actually two years ago. We were in the middle of recording a year ago. So I think something that really kind of stands out to me with this record is that as we were working on the record and the record being a lot about running away, self-improvement, you know, sometimes you're the asshole. I think that was something that really dovetailed nicely with the fact that being in the project that now is in its fifth year, having um, four people that are come from very diverse backgrounds really worked on how we work with each other and our communication and our collaborative style. The songs are always kind of a collective subconscious of the four of us. And I think when we do it well, which I don't, I can't, I don't have like a uh, equation for that. Sometimes I think it comes across as maybe a little bit a wider lens of collective self-conscious, but yeah, I think that that's something that is really in the record, too, is that what the record's about is something that we were practicing as we were writing and recording it, which was trying to be a better person. Well, and this is, again, at least my kind of feeling on 2020, it feels like this is a year where, like, obviously there's a tremendous amount of challenges, but also, like, if you have a lot more time at home, I do think that there is a little bit more time to kind of, like, sit back, reflect, maybe make some revisions, do some personal growth, and just kind of like re-examine what you want out of things. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I think the lyrics mostly come from Nadia and myself. It's not necessarily the person who's singing it who wrote the song. So we really have to be good at communicating what our ideas are, especially if it's something where you're going to go putting words literally in somebody else's mouth. And there's just a constant dialogue whenever there's song ideas of just like you ever feel like xyz and you know sometimes the group is looking blankly and sometimes you're like oh yeah you know like i hate it when i procrastinate and then it turns into a song like bad form you know so that's kind of just something we're just a constant uh i feel like we're all mirroring each other it's just like midsummer you know where they're all just like screaming and holding each other's faces <laughs> it's like that i i do know what you mean and and wow I could see this record being almost a companion to that movie just in terms of the emotional sort of like release that's happening there. <laughs> Love that movie. It's definitely, I mean, yeah, and to your point, like, yeah, there is a lot of space, I think, now for, for people who are fortunate enough to have the time to sort of be sitting with themselves right now. I know that's like a, a weird fortune to have at this moment, but it's, you know, it is something that I think at least for me personally when I was thinking of themes and and some of the lyrics I contributed just a lot of the personal growth I had gone through over that time not even during this time but how that is like sort of a painful process at times even when the world is sort of not in the middle of a pandemic (laughs) but yeah there certainly is room for growth but I think people don't often talk too much about the darker side of that growth, which is that it's hard, and it actually is work, and that it you can see things that are not necessarily things you'd like to see in yourself. No, absolutely. Right, and you can improve and maybe not get anything for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the other part, too, is like sometimes, like, yeah, like, you've improved, like, yeah, maybe you've become a better person, but you don't, that doesn't necessarily make, mean things are going to 
start to like turn around for you or anything. It just means that like, okay, now you can proceed into the world as someone who is a little bit better and maybe is causing less damage to yourself and others, you know. Something else I, you know, took away from this is the video from Emergency Equipment and Exits, uh, which is great. It features a lot of footage of Chicago and almost every shot of footage in the city is basically like more or less deserted or like there's barely anybody on the street. Like what did it feel like shooting a video at that time where it just the entire city looks like it's completely evacuated? It was a little bit surreal, but also kind of funny because I, well, a lot of those like uh, the shots of just the city where you don't see Alisa, it was really just me and, um, and our DC and Matt Brown kind of running around the city, trying to find places that were more deserted. So we were like actively sort of seeking that out, especially the downtown shots. It was actually a little bit of a challenge to find places that were more deserted. It was a little bit, it was actually like people were, we were in the, you know, it was during the pandemic, so there weren't as many people out. It wasn't as crowded, but it was still like moments where we're like, oh my God, this is like a huge group of people with masks on. We don't necessarily want to have that in the video because we don't want it to be stuck in this time. So some of that was like really intentional and some of it just like was happened happened to be that way just like these areas where there just wasn't anyone and it was really it was really interesting because yeah i think seeing the footage that you you came back with matt was was really great and i was really happy that we were able to document something in a certain time because i think previously in our video making it was all it's all kind of what we manicure and what we try to put together but that was something where i knew that or we both knew that there were shots that like there's a couple of weeks that we can get these shots. And beyond that, you're never going to see parts of downtown look like this ever again. So it was definitely something that we wanted to capture. But the music video concept in general existed before all of this hit. So it was a little surreal to have that added thing on top of an original idea, which was just essentially, we knew that we wanted something that was like, we all start out together. We had never had footage of us playing other than like somebody but the cell phone video, it's just a weird coincidence. We haven't done any live sessions so far. And we just knew that either all of us leave or one of us leave. Just like that idea of just like, just running, screaming into the woods, made literal. And just the happenstance of all the filming happening during this time allowed for two things. One, it made the contrast much more uh, extreme between being amongst people and being alone. But then two, it was like a really safe video idea to shoot those outdoor scenes because, you know, it was something that we could actually shoot and have the camera person of enough distance away to be able to accomplish those shots. So it's, it's, it's all kind of, it's going to be weird to look back at that one in a couple of years. It's definitely a document of this time. Even the people, even not having people with masks in the, in the footage, it's like, yeah, when else is downtown and, and a lot of these other parts of the city, just that completely deserted. Absolutely. You know, one of the things I was also curious about is just whether there was apprehension, you know, within the band about releasing the record at this time. You know, were there talks like, should we wait a year until maybe touring comes back in 2021, which who knows if that's going to happen or not? Or was it always just like, we've got this, it's made, this is the year we're putting it out? You know, for us, it was something where we did delay the record slightly before it was announced. So that was something that was nice that we didn't have to delay something that had already been put out there is coming out on a certain date but like we said having started writing um a little bit after odd talk came out so probably like 
September 2018 and taking an entire year to record in 2019, I think we just wanted it out. I don't know that they give Lane it that much. Correct me if I'm wrong, Maddie. I don't think it ever came up. Well, we, we, we definitely, I think for, we did, we did have that initial question of like, what do we do? Um, and I think we were talking sure. with like our manager about it. And I think that was loaded for a second, but I think all of us were like, nah, we need to put this out. Like this needs to happen now. Um, we just ended up like trying to be, we just wanted to be strategic about it. So we did change some things from our original release plan just to kind of curate it to this moment. Something that, uh, Alicia, you wrote that really I think was a very like remarkable just piece of writing and and document. You wrote this editorial for Loudersound.com. Uh, it's entitled "Confederate Flags, Suspicious Cops, and the Dangers of Touring America When Black." This is like a very honest uh, feature editorial, you know, firsthand accounting that details your experiences in the music space as an independent artist, as a black biracial woman. Uh, talk about that feature, uh, the motivation for publishing that, you know, like bring us into kind of that experience. Cause I'm sure that that was probably a very, I'm sure there was a lot of thought that went into that. Yeah. I mean, it actually stemmed from their editor in chief contacting me after I just kind of randomly put out a, a short version of one of the stories in the editorial on Twitter. Cause I think, you know, there's a lot of people that are just sitting around. Um, I see you around too on Twitter, just kind of, just kind of taking the temperature, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and just having a lot of time to just reflect on a lot of different things. And that was one of those things where, with the time to sit down and think about it, you think about all these situations where you're like, oh wow, that was actually very strange or very off. And um, you know. When I was approached, it was one of those things that we really had to consider, and I had to do a couple of different things. A, I had my bandmates, I, did these things happen this way? Because when you're on tour and you're on the road, it just all happens so fast that if you sat and really wrote it out, it's like, wow, that was actually really messed up. And then B, you know, we were not uh, country music musicians, you know, we're not the people that write songs about our specific personal experience in the way of like oh and then like an ex-boyfriend left me it's like not like that taylor swift that personal kind of thing we try to come from a place that's maybe a little bit more outside of ourselves and so there was a question too of you know how much do we really want to talk about this stuff but looking around there just wasn't really a lot of it out there and given the moment that we're currently in i feel like the the risks were worth it in terms of putting it out there. You know, it was it was an interesting experience because there were definitely some folks that posted the article or reposted the article that, you know, I had to politely tell them, like, no, I was writing about you, you know. So um, overall, you know, I, I really love that it helped connect me to other Black artists, other artists in general, people who connected with the the writing and the experience therein, I think the thing that I'm kind of nervous about, and I, I recently had a thing with um, Alex, who's the drummer in the band sports team. We had a little discussion over at Talk House because she just recently did an editorial too as a woman in a band and everything that goes into that. We had a lot to connect with. We were both confirmed that when this is all over, 
whenever that is, if that is, that, you know, things are just going to go back to normal. And it's going to be really interesting to see what tour support looks like, um, what bills look like, what rosters at labels look like. It's going to be very interesting to see if any of this sticks or if this year is just a super dream. I completely agree. And I mean, obviously I'm, I'm not coming from the same experience as you, but just even as a content creator, I'm just, I am, I'm interested to see what the future of all of this looks like, you know, next year. And I mean, I come at things from more like a tech standpoint, I guess. And I'm looking at like artists playing concerts in like Fortnite, Cardi B doing an only fans. And I'm like, you know, I, I think any digital platform that makes an artist money is as valid as anything else. So, in general, yes, I, I do agree that it is going to be really interesting to see just like what what the other side of all this looks like, whether it's tech, whether it is, you know, more kind of like progressive cultural aspects, you know, related to race or anything else like that. It's this is a moment where everything feels like it is in flux and and it's anybody's guess what the other side of this looks like. Yeah, I think it's definitely something where it's, it's easy for to make empty gestures. And I, you know, I think people have seen a lot of virtue signaling, um, you know, that blackout Tuesday and, and whatnot. I, I can only hope that, you know, putting an article out there like that, any, any time that we kind of step out and talk a little bit more about ourselves, that hopefully we can find more people that maybe identify with what we're talking about, or at least learn from what we're talking about. I, you know, it's one of those things where I forget that, we are different than a lot of other bands. I think you like to think that you make artwork and then you go put it up on the fridge and then it gets evaluated next to the other drawings on the fridge. But in reality, it's like, it's very strange that we are a band that's fronted by two women, <laughs> one black biracial, Nadia, you know, is Jewish and from Sicily. Like we, we have a very strange makeup of a band, you know, like our guitarist is, is, like at least five years younger than us. Like we've got like a weird, weird amalgamation of folks, but I think that that's something that is exciting and something that maybe we didn't realize was something that sets us apart. I think um, at the end of the day, like there is this whole big question of like, Oh, is this just going to go continue back to normal? And I think the only thing I would add to that is um, I think for us, you're only in control of what you can do at a certain point. And I think for us, this is never going to go back to normal. Like it never, the normal has not really worked very well for us and for a lot of other people. And I think that for us, it's like we're, we are always going to be pushing to make things better within, within the music and within the community as much as we can, you know? So I think that's all I would add to that. No, absolutely. (laughs) And it does give me hope. It's weird to say, but I do have a lot of hope these days, or at least like cautious hope of like, I hope so many things get better because this year, you know, this seems to be a theme of this conversation. It's like there, there is, whether people want it or not, I think there's a lot of examination that's going on and a lot of things are being brought to the surface that need to be examined. And God, it's like, I hope this is all worth something and I hope that it makes a difference and it improves the quality of life for everybody going forward. You know, and on that note, you know, I usually kind of wrap these chats up just asking an artist like, hey, you know, what's coming up next for you? But that was kind of what worked in the old days where it was like, oh, we're going to start working on our next record, then we'll go on tour. But now it's really hard to make any sort of long-term predictions because who knows what the touring landscape is going to look like for artists or anything like that. So, you know, what's the thought process like in the Ganser camp right now? Are you guys looking ahead to anything or is it just like 
you know, taking it as it comes. We actually were just talking about this uh, the other day. Nadia and I met in a park, socially distanced, and, you know, we're just talking about normal life stuff. But um, music came up a little bit. And I think, as we were talking about before, this project has always been a way to um, indulge our whims, to have fun, to do things that we don't normally get to do in our day jobs. And now, now that we have even a wider scope of collaborators you know Matt Brown was amazing this time around as a cinematographer as you know we directed the music videos and and took the footage and edited the music videos we got into a real rhythm with him I think even if touring does not return in 2021 we always want to make things so whether that is more video work in addition to the next album not sure but I think that's something unique for us as well is that we're so into film and so into design to find something to occupy our time. Yeah. I mean, I think Gansler has always was initially started as, as an art project with a lot of possibility. And I think this doesn't change. It just sort of changes where our focus is going to be. I don't see us, I don't see us stopping anything. It just, it just depends on like what's going to be available to us. And I think as, as artists, um, as creative, I think Alicia and I have been, uh, we've been problem solving this whole time. Like we've just been trying mm-hmm. to make things work for us as best as we can in the environment that we're in. And that's not going to change with this, you know, it's like, it's an affliction really to like make things like this. <laughs> no one, no, no one in their right mind should, would pursue these things unless it was something that like really just is in, in their blood and, and, a necessity for them because there's not a whole lot of payoff and at least financially um, there's certainly a lot of payoff like you know emotionally spiritually whatever it's you know it's very fulfilling but at the same time it's like it doesn't pay the bills and it, it's like especially uh, it can be especially thankless sometimes but um so yeah I think it's just gonna keep going because Gansler is it's a beast of its own at this point and we we have no uh we have no intention of, of letting it starve well, I love what both of you are doing with uh, the music, with the videos, and I, I, I love what Ganser is making. And really, like, this record, Just Look at That Sky, just came out at the end of July. And like I said, this is a great record. It's a great record to turn on loud. It's a great record to really, like, listen to the whole thing all the way through and just really feel it. And I hope both of you are very proud because you made something really great, and that is awesome. And 2020 really needs that. Oh, thank, thank you so much. <laughs> Yeah, Absolutely. Thank you. That, that's very kind. <laughs> um, I'm glad we got to chat. I'm glad we've gotten to do this a few times. And really, like, I'm very, um, especially having gotten to see both of you when the band just started. It's like it's it's great to see everything that Ganser has been able to achieve. And really, just to say it one more time, this record's an accomplishment. Everybody should go listen to it. It's on Spotify, Apple Music, all these things. So, um, this is great, Alicia and Nadia from Ganser. Thank you both for taking the time today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for talking to us. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.